I preheat everything. Most espresso machines will have vents on top where you put the cups upside down if you ever walk into a coffee yeah. shop. And that's just to preheat some of those cups with the natural heat from the espresso machine. But just so you keep it at the temperature and you're not dumping it into like, you know, a hot cup of coffee into an ice cold cup, the temperature is going to go down. Or if you're brewing into that, it might mess with the ultimate flavor of the final cup. Pre-rinse your filters and pre-warm the vessel you're brewing into. My biggest piece of advice. From Mumble Coffee, this is Coffee 101, your one-stop shop for building your coffee knowledge. With Coffee 101, you'll understand coffee enough to make a phenomenal cup anywhere, even like under your house or on an airplane or, well, let's just say the obvious one, in your kitchen. And with Coffee 101, you can solve the gnarliest brewing emergencies and wow your local barista. Coffee 101 is the ultimate coffee know-how podcast. We're talking beans, roasts, and all things coffee, taking the mystery out of those strange words and solving coffee dilemmas so that you can slay your coffee game. Season 2 takes us on coffee's journey from shelf to sip. On today's show... We are continuing our talk with Michael Matthews of Linea Coffee Roasters out of New Orleans, and we're talking about home essentials to make the best cup of coffee. So if you had to pick three episodes that are going to make a huge impact on your at-home coffee game, these are three episodes, and this is part two of that. Katie? Yeah. How are you? Um, I'm good actually yeah and um you feel like you starting to learn some stuff about some little tips and tricks on like how to make good coffee at home for sure yeah definitely more than i thought i ever needed to know because most of the time when i go to someone else's house Mm -hmm. they just put their stuff in their mr coffee machine and hand you a mug period but now we know how to make it special yeah yeah, and you know, you can take a lot of times that, that coffee that you're talking about and uh, just with a couple little tips or tricks, you can make mm-hmm. it better. Right. You may tell you a little tidbit, of, like, kind of shifting gears little a little tidbit. bit, but a little tidbit about uh, Michael Matthews. Yes. He used to be a professional drummer. What? Yeah, he did. Uh, what band? So he played with a band or a couple, like there's okay. a band called Ear Funk, and there was somebody named Mia Borders. Nice. And then Hannah Wickland. None of those ring a bell, except maybe the first one. I'm sure it's great. He said to me when I was talking to, to him, it's kind of like a, I think he said kind of like a, a jazzy jam. Okay, yeah. Band. Coffee shop vibes. Mm, maybe. No. But kind of, I don't know, I'd call it like Southern Jazzy Jam. Okay. You know. Did they like go on tour and stuff? Yeah. He said that Ooh. he's like seen, you know, most everywhere in the U.S. That's and cool. um, I think he said it was with Hannah Wickland, but it might have been one of the others. Yeah. That she also did like world tour yeah. stuff and that he's gone to several places around the world. And he, he um, somehow settled into coffee roasting is one of his you know many things that he does now 
That's cool. Yeah. So you never know. Side hustle. Yeah. So you never know. People have people have all kinds of cool stuff that they do. That is cool. Yeah, we see your side hustle. We see you. <laughs> Last year at my summer camp, yeah. one of or Ben Rector's, I think his guitar player, was playing in um, the band at the summer camp last year. And the other cool. person I remember that was playing in that band was someone from the Brook and the Bluff. Yes. I think the drums was Brook and the Bluff. No, Good. I think the bass guitar was Brook and Bluff. Was the drummer Ben Rector? I don't know. I texted you this because like someone told me and I was like, "What?" Yeah, so. and Katie knows that I'm a I'm a really big uh, Brook and the Bluff fan. So our friend Ethan Hatcher introduced us to them. Yeah, not literally. Shout but out like, to Ethan. Yeah, we love you, Ethan. Yeah, but so I love if anybody, them. so chill. If anybody knows the Brook and the Bluff out there, um, tell them like that. I would act like a giddy little schoolgirl if they just like DM'd us their oh. humble coffee on. Uh, Instagram and be like, hey, that. we heard your podcast. Or, or we like, heard that you're a, f- a big yeah. fan. We would just be like, yeah, we are. We'd like giggle like, <laughs> And then we'd talk about you again. Oh, we would. But today we're going to continue our talk about home essentials to make the best cup Ooh. of coffee. So without further ado, without here further ado. we go. Michael. So we got through in the last episode, uh, we talked about our water, we talked about our beans, we talked about storage, we talked about scales, and we talked about grinders. And so I'm back with Michael Matthews, and uh, we're going to keep going on Home Essentials to make the best cup of coffee. You ready? I'm ready. Let's get into it. All right. So... How about we talked about water, but like, what do you what do what do we put the water in? Like, what what do me and you like as far as uh, um, that vessel? It's got to be in a kettle. Okay, and even at that, a gooseneck kettle got to be a gooseneck. And and Most tell tell yes. me tell me why specifically a gooseneck? Like, what's important about a gooseneck? The, the best part about a gooseneck is it really allows you to control like the flow rate yep. and like the accuracy of where you're pouring with on the coffee. If you are doing a manual style pour over or hand brew a uh, cup of coffee and with it being a gooseneck, I definitely always recommend having it be temperature controlled. Yeah. Uh, proper water temperature is essential to proper extraction. And I think most most uh, coffee blogs or videos that you'll watch sit, recommends between 195 degrees Fahrenheit all the way up to 205 degrees Fahrenheit. It doesn't mean that you can't uh, use water hotter than 205. I think you certain certain coffees um, with water like with a dark roast mm-hmm. tend to use a lower water temperature. Wow. To, to, I mean, you, you know, you're all already going to have, um, so the, the darker you roast the coffee, the more compromised the coffee bean structure is going to be. Okay. So the darker roasted coffee, the bean's going to be a little bit more brittle. Okay. You'll notice that like when you put it in your grinder, uh, if you were to use a light roast and grind it at the same setting, uh, with that being that dark roast being being a little bit more compromised structurally, 
from the roast, it's going to fragment a little bit more, Mm -hmm. you know, think about, um, you know, throwing maybe like a ball of, 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 you know, maybe some, some wet sand into uh, a grinder versus like, uh, like a denser rock or something that's going to, you know, not, it just kind of, it's like, it's more of a clean break. It's more of a, more of a, more of a clean break. And, uh, that that bean is going to be able to the darker roast will extract a little bit quicker, a little bit faster. Mm-hmm. So using a little bit of a lower water temperature, it's it's will you help know, you the, higher, the water temperature. It's it's going to extract a little bit more. So yeah, I, I found uh, in my experience that using a lower water temperature is going to not extract as much of that bitterness from yeah. the dark roast. And then on the opposite end of the spectrum, a lighter roasted coffee is going to be pretty dense structurally, more dense than a dark roast bean. Yeah. And it, it might um, grind a, a little bit more uneven in size, mm-hmm. uh, not to get too deep into that. But I tend to use a little bit higher of a water temperature, and it, it you'll extract a little bit more from the bean, so it might produce a slightly less sour cup yeah. and a little bit more sweet. So. Now, I that's think that's I think that's really good. So I've actually I have never thought about that, but it makes sense um, in that what you're basically trying. So and and when Michael's talking about the the lower temp versus higher temp, he's still talking about within that 195 to 205 range. And and basically what he's saying he's trying to do in a darker roast is. Uh, not we'll say not over extraction not get the really bitter uh back end um as far as that goes and then in the lighter roast to make sure that he's getting some of that what we would call body pressing into you know over extraction but not over extraction um that'll help to mute some of that um acidic or fruity uh because and we'll get into this in a later episode but when you're when the coffee and the water are actually interacting if you were to like take a pour over and you were to have three mugs out on the uh counter and you did your pour over a third a third a third you're going to taste different things in those three cups that you pulled out at different times in the extraction process. So your first cup is going to be way more acidic. Your last cup is going to have a lot more body um, and what we call like that back end. Um, anyway, they're just all going to taste different. So that's that's kind of that factors into, I guess, a little bit of what you're talking about too. Yeah, and I think uh, when I was doing some barista training the, the girl that I was doing training with, we did the same thing with a shot of espresso. Yeah. It's okay. We're going to, we're going to pull a shot for 30 seconds and we're going to have three cups and we're going to put one cup for the first 10 seconds, second cup. And like you were, you were mentioning the first cup is going to be all of your acids, very acidic, sharp, sour. It's going to probably make your cheeks pucker a little bit. Yeah. And that's a, that's a telltale sign that you probably either need to, bump your water temperature up or maybe grind a little bit finer. Like if, if it's real cheeky, like yeah. if you just feel like you just, you know, ate like uh, 
sour candy or something, you're making that face. It's like, yeah. that's not, that's not desirable at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. But when all those components and that, well, backtrack a little bit, that second cup, it's going to be some of your sweetness. Yep. And then that third final cup is going to be a lot of your back end, a lot of your bitterness. Yep. And when you taste all of those individually, you taste, you know, uh, the different flavor characteristics of uh, those three cups. But when they all come together in harmony and make this cohesive, balanced cup, that's when uh, everything comes together and you're like, okay, this is how, you know, I can taste the acid. I can taste the sweetness. I can taste the bitterness. Are they in balance? And that's when you kind of start tinkering. But um, I think coming back to like the kettle, having it, it's a little bit hard sometimes if you just have, maybe you can get a good, they have gooseneck kettles that you can just put on the stove. Uh-huh. It's hard to like guess sometimes because, you know, it, you're going to have to bring it to a boil and then, take it off the stove and, and start a timer. I've seen people that are like, I don't want a temperature control kettle. And you read articles are like, okay, 205 degrees is, you know, if I were to take it off a boil, take yeah. it off the stove when it starts boiling and then start a timer, that's about a minute and 15 seconds once I've removed it from the stove. And it, it, it it's a little bit more guesswork. Like it's not going to be right. And it's not going to be perfectly that temperature. It's you're just kind of guessing, but they do have temperature controlled gooseneck kettles where you might be able to set it to five degree increments, which I would always recommend doing it to the one degree increment where you can go, Hey, I'm going to go to 195. I can bump it up maybe to 196 or 200 or two. And I think experimenting when you're first getting into brewing is, you know, seeing maybe try brewing a cup at, 195 and then yeah. using that same coffee, same grind, same brewer at 205 and really tasting everything side by side. I think that's how you you learn with tasting coffee the most is you can't just give somebody like one cup of coffee and being like, "Hey, this is brewed at this temperature, but if you were to it, it's hard for people to like imagine stuff without tasting and comparing." Right. And you know, um I do tons of experiments all the time when I'm I'm trying to figure out where a coffee is going to sit the best for a mm-hmm. pour over. So I'll brew it at a bunch of different temperatures, um, and it it really puts it into perspective. You know, okay, I wasn't even thinking about water temperature and what was going to extract the stuff out of uh, the you know all these flavors out of this coffee. So having some, I think getting a gooseneck kettle is so important to uh, being able to experiment and get a good cup of coffee. It's not a make it or break it, but, yeah. um, you know, I, I use goosenecks for everything. Yeah, and I, um, I've i got a gooseneck. I've got, it's like a Bonavita, um, and it, you know, you can do the temperature on it, and I set it to, like, stop at 202, and so I know that it will still coast to about 205, 206. Um, and so that's usually in the morning. That's kind of where, where mine is. Um, and like you said, originally, one of the really good things with a gooseneck is you can be very fine with with and precise with, with how much water you're using and where it goes. Um, you know, back in the early days, like, 
I would use whatever I could pour with and like half of it's like ending up on the counter because like the lip, you know, is not, not perfect or designed like a, like a gooseneck lip. So, um, you know, those are some things to think about with a kettle. Um, so here's a big, big category, home brewers. So let's just go back and forth. Like you tell me like a brewer that you have that you like, and then I'll tell you one that I have that I like, and we'll just go back and forth for a little while. All right. I've, this is go. such a um, – I'm thinking about my my brewing shelf right now <laughs> in my back room, and I think I've ordered just about everything. So you're gonna have your standard countertop batch brewer, yeah. You know, your typical coffee machine that is like, and you know, and, and, and you have you two things with that. You have just what you'd straight up call a coffee machine, and then you have a SCA certified brewer. Which is a little different in that it meets specifications of getting the water temperature right and all this other stuff. And the SCA, and we'll put a link in the show notes below. That's the Specialty Coffee Association has a. Um, they just have a list of um, brewers that meet those specifications that are their standards. As anyway, so sorry. Go ahead. No, um, and then the higher you go up in price for some of these countertop brewers is going to be the build quality, the heating components. Uh, it's, it's hard with some of these really cheap countertop brewers to say, Hey, we know the water's at 200 degrees. A lot of times the water is might be 190 kind of just below that, you know, 195 Fahrenheit cutoff for kind of brewing optimal coffee. So um, some of these cheaper brewers aren't really getting to the right temperature to extract all the goodness out of the coffee. So uh, that's what Kenneth's talking about. Some of these SCA certified brewers, are, they're, they're tried and tested by a bunch of coffee nerds. And they're saying, hey, we know we've tested the water temperature. We know it's like hitting all these marks and we can sign off on this machine. Right. So then getting into more of like a that you know that's a, that's more of an automatic brewer where you just kind of set it and forget it turn it on brews the coffee drink the coffee then you get into doing manual style hand brewing using the kettle and um the the two biggest styles are going to be a a cone pour over which is mm-hmm. going to be in the shape of a cone normally with one opening in the bottom and then you are going to have what's called flatbed brewers which is going to be more it's the the bottom of the cone is going to be kind of squared off and um and so let me jump in right there real quick so um if you if any one-on-oneers out there if you want to look at the difference if you're not sure what we're talking about um like a hario v60 it would be a cone Cone and then a kalita wave would be an example of one that had a flatbed. Yes. And, uh, uh, you know, the main difference is going to be, you know, how deep your coffee bed is like a, a cone brewer. You, your, your coffee bed's going to be a little bit thicker. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, you know, they all have their own, uh, you know, 
whole configuration and some will slow down the flow rate a little bit of like how quick the water passes through the coffee. Some, you know, if you have one big hole or, you know, like a cone brewer with one hole in the bottom, like the water might move a little bit quicker. So, but, um, I started on the, the Hario V60. Yeah. I think it's like kind of the best that or the Kalita are both kind of the, the beginner, uh, pour over, yeah, uh, brewers the gateway drug really is the gateway drug. Yeah. Uh, and then you might see like at bed, bath and beyond itself, like the AeroPress, uh, which is, is kind of between a, like, uh, you know, uh, a French press and like, it's, it's, it's its own thing, you know? Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, I got one of those Hario V60 brewers that had the built-in like decanter. So you, it ju- you just brew it right into the glass vessel and it, you know, I think they're 30 bucks on Amazon. Uh, and that I, I, I played with it for months, just that one brewer. Yeah. I, I wouldn't recommend trying to get too many brewers, um, At once. pick one thing and keep as many variables controlled and just, you know, play with, grind size, play with water temperature, play with, um, you know, different, uh, brewing recipes and, you know, uh, Instagram has been, there's so many brewing pages out there, uh, with different recipes and you can follow through with them and they'll give you, Hey, this is the amount of coffee I use the water temperature and just start trying to, to replicate some of these recipes with your own coffee. And, And maybe see, hey, how does it taste like this? How does it taste the next day like this? And I used to be still, I'm so excited to wake up every morning and, and brew coffee in, in different ways just to just to learn. And I mean, it's probably the, uh, that's prob- this is probably bad, but that's probably the first thing I think of in the morning is I'm like, what, you know, what kind of coffee am I about to brew and, and what am I going to brew it on? Yeah, I I will, you know, um I'll normally the you know, I get I get up so early, start running for the restaurants and everything that the night before I kinda of like, all right, I'm gonna use this coffee, I'm gonna use this brewer. I kinda already have like a game plan. So then when I wake up, I have my kettle kind of pre filled, ready to go. So I wake up You're ready. Boom, boom. But it's uh it's it's kind of like a it's very like therapeutic and like a great start to my day it's, yeah. it's just like manually hand brewing coffee is, is so uh like fulfilling to me yeah and uh you know you are in complete control of this thing and um you know you can play with the amount of pours you do and yeah. uh and you can just do one pour and and just see how does that affect the final cup yeah, I think it's hey. fun. I think it's fun. The uh, and uh, I, I, we might have talked about this on a previous show. I can't remember, but uh, that that actual like whatever you want to call it, mental health, Zen, like whatever uh, time in the morning when it's quiet and you're just sitting there making your cup of coffee. Like I think that's part of the whole like process as far as like what coffee contributes at least for me you know to my day um and just a couple of things i was thinking about like with 
So Kalita Wave is is one that's probably the one I started on, um, and I think it was just because I had read whether it's true or not that it was just easier to use as a pour over as a starter compared to a Hario V60 or like a cone. And um, I mean, I don't know if that's true or not, but that was my thing. I I do agree with that statement. Um, and I think it's, it was because you because it had predictable outflow because there's three yeah, little dots. It's got, it's got three holes. Yeah, and, at the bottom. Uh, Whereas a cone filter, it's just like once it hits the bottom of that free fall cone, it's just like a, I don't know, it's like a free for all. It is, it is, and I think I think uh, your flow rate's a little bit more controlled with those three holes and with it being a flatbed yeah. style brewer. Typically, in my experience, I have found, and I, I, after using everything, I always come back to a flatbed brewer as being my ultimate favorite. Um, I, I brew with the April Brewer from April Coffees over in Copenhagen, and that is a kind of like a, a hybrid. Um, the Kalitas are great. They make two different sizes. They have the 155, which is like the single cup, and then yeah. they have the 185, which is like the, the two to three cup. Um, I have the 185, and uh, it, I've, I've, I've found that I get more sweetness out of a flatbed-style brewer. Okay. And I get a little bit more clarity and acidity out of a cone style brewer. Yeah. I can um, see that. One thing I, you know, with, with the Kalita, I found that they, they tend to, at certain grind sizes tend to choke, meaning uh, the water will kind of stop passing through because mm. as you introduce uh, hot water onto like a bed of, of coffee that's, fr- that's just ground and not wet yet, what you the the longer you get into the the brewing process, uh, the fine particles will rush to the bottom. Yep. And your coarser particles will rush to the top. And what those fines do at the bottom is they actually like choke out and restrict the water flow. Right. So um, the, the flatbed brewers tend to do. Uh, you, you would you're more than likely going to be grinding slightly coarser than you would for your cone shaped brewers, but, um, uh, I, I was going to say, that. that's, that's what I was going to say is it also depends on, um, yeah, your grind. This is, this goes back to like, you know, what kind of grinder are you using? You know, how can you adjust it? Stuff like that. Stick with us. This is Kenneth Thomas and you're listening to coffee. One one brought to you by humble coffee. Hey, one on ers out there. This is Kenneth. I wanted to just use this time. Usually we use it for advertising for Humble Coffee, but I wanted to thank you. Coffee 101 is still, as of this recording, the number one coffee podcast in the food category on Apple Podcast in the U.S., and that's so exciting. Um, we just love doing this, and we love sharing uh, coffee knowledge and we love all the questions we get in uh, the comments and the ratings or when people uh, DM Mumble Coffee on Instagram. And we just love answering them and we, we love sharing the knowledge. So just wanted to say thank you, 101ers out there. 
Now let's get back to our show today with Michael Matthews of Alenia Coffee Roasters. Um, I'll tell you my go-to currently in the morning for my cup of coffee is a clever. I I, I brewed this morning with the clever dipper. Um, it is, uh, I think in, in, I'll tell you what I think. I think that it is simple. Uh, and for those who don't know, it's like, it's like if you took what looks like a pour over, like a Kalita wave or, or, a, a Haro V60 and you just set it on the counter, you know, without the cup below it and you put your filter in your coffee in and you put everything in and it'll actually hold that water in there as a immersion, which is, we'll talk about this in a, some future episodes, immersion versus uh, pour over, but it's an immersion like a French press where the water stays with the grinds for a certain amount of time. And then you put it on top of a cup and it's got a little, um, little stopcock or whatever in the bottom and that lifts and then it will drain into the cup. And it, and it, and it has a filter too. So right. you're going to be with, with like a French press, uh, or things that maybe have like a, a mesh screen filter, that non-paper filter, you're going to get more of those oils. You're going to get yeah. a, a, a more perceivable body. Um, you, you might even get a little bit of some of the particles from the actual coffee in there. So it's just going to have a little bit more weight uh, yeah. and mouthfeel. But, uh, you know, I think when we're referring to like clarity, it's kind of pulling those oils out uh, or you're going to have a paper filter that's going to, uh, it's it's kind of like the the best of both worlds. You, if you really like French press, but you want like a little bit of a cleaner cup with maybe yeah. uh, a little bit less mouthfeel, not as like gritty, the Clever Dripper is everything. And that, uh, what I mentioned in the previous episode with the Siphon Brewers yeah. in, in Cape Town, South Africa, everyone's using Siphon Brewers and everyone is using Clever Drippers. And Interesting. I had seen the Clever Dripper before, but it wasn't really – something I cared about and going to all these different coffee shops and like really incredible roasters, everyone's like, they're serving everything on the clever dripper. It's, yeah. it's plastic. It's durable. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's, not it's not going to break. And, it, and it's cheap. And, and most of the time you can do it in just one pour. You yeah. don't have to do like multiple pours and you can, you don't necessarily need a gooseneck kettle for it. You know, you can use like a, a, a normal, style yeah. kettle without the gooseneck um like i'll actually but, do i'll do a um actually i'll do two pours on it so like because i my my coffee is usually pretty fresh um and i grind it right there on the spot it'll have a bloom but i want those grinds after the bloom to like get down into the you know actual water um i'll pour it about halfway up and wait about 45 seconds and then I'll do that and I'll pour the rest of it. Something I really like playing with the clever dripper is experimenting with adding the coffee first and then the water. Yeah. And adding the water first and then the coffee on top, you'll actually get a faster uh, brew huh. pouring the coffee on top of the water. What I would do to compensate normally is I, I bump my water temperature up a few degrees because by the time you pour it, just in there and it's sitting for a second it's going to come down but uh, do you stir it any uh i do stir it i do yeah. stir it but okay. 
you can actually grind it a little bit finer sometimes uh if 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 you're finding like hey like i can't i'm not really extracting this coffee as much as i want to but yeah. it's choking out the dripper uh, uh you can get away with grinding it a little bit finer and adding it to the water afterwards yeah. and then stirring it and then it uh those fines won't rush to the bottom and choke mm. it out as much so that's uh that's something i like to play with uh with that well and so another one that is a decent go-to for me is a aeropress i know we talked about it briefly earlier um and i just like um it, it's kind of like you know we talked about brew ratios earlier uh, mine is about a one to six and so i don't once i once i plunge the aeropress like i don't dilute it past that point so whatever the concentration of the coffee you know and then whatever water would fill up the actual aeropress because i use the inverted method and yeah. one of oneers out there if we're using big words and you don't know then leave it in the comments in um like reviews or whatever and, and we'll get to it or dm us uh through humble coffee on um instagram and we'll we'll explain it more but you could just look up there's it's called the inverted method for using aeropress and um so those are those are probably right now my two big go-tos um, is a clever and a aeropress. I don't know why I just kind of bounce around. Yeah, I uh, I mostly use the April Brewer. So the April Brewer. Yeah, I just is, looked it up a second ago. It looks pretty cool. It looks to me like a clever and a uh, Hario V60 got married. So this is funny with the Kalitas. The, a lot of people will be like, oh, I don't like them. They tend to choke out, you know, like meaning like uh, they have to grind too coarse to get a, a proper flow rate that they're, they're maybe happy with. But what the April Brewer set out to do was uh, it's made by Patrick Rolf in Copenhagen. Fantastic brewer. Uh, he's competed in roaster competitions, brewing competitions, the world level. And he couldn't get what he wanted out of a Kalita. So he's like, I'm just going to make my own brewer. Yeah. So he, what he did was he uh, made a flatbed style brewer, but it's slightly curved at the bottom, but it has these three little ridges that kind of hold the bottom of the filter up a little bit. It gives it a little bit of space to prevent it from uh, choking. And it allows wow. like a, still a good flow rate. And it has one, one hole at the bottom. So, okay. um, I, I have just, you know, and you can grind a little bit finer than a Kalita, uh, a, a funny hack for the Kalita I've seen people do is to prevent it from choking out. They'll take a whole coffee bean or two mm. and they'll put it underneath the filter Yeah. Uh, while they brew over it. and then it'll just raise it up a little bit. That's like a little yeah. on the spot, like life hack if you want yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Um, but the 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 April Brewer, I've just been able to get like some of the best, better tasting cups with a bunch of different yeah. coffees. They That's make cool. it in, in glass, plastic, uh, ceramic. I haven't been all like actually. I brought the. Uh, That's what I was doing a lot of my QC or quality control for the uh, roast for the roasting competition. Yeah, uh, like I always cup stuff, but I'm like, how's it going to taste in? Uh, like uh, 
uh, just like a, a pour over setting. Like, how's it going to yeah. taste like just sipping it versus cupping it? And um, I found that I'm able to get pretty consistent results with multiple different coffees with this brewer. And it's travel friendly because it's plastic. So uh, that's kind of like I bring the Commandante and the April Brewer everywhere with yeah. me. Yeah, we'll have to uh, have um, during this season. I'm I'm on. I'm gonna have to have a. Uh, we'll do a do like a travel, um, a, like a travel ready, you know, like episode, and and that would be cool. Um, yeah, I'm gonna have to check out the uh, the April Brewer. I think I'm going to have to get me one of those Commandante grinders. Oh, yeah. Those sound really cool. Yeah. So, I have been eyeing those for a few years. and Well, they're expensive. Oh. They're like several hundred dollars. Oh. And they're like, a, yeah. they're like a hand grinder. Oh. You know? But they're like, whatever, three, four, five hundred dollars. Oh, that's not... That's I mean, a lot. It is a lot. That's a lot. My Hario like, like hand grinder is like it was yeah. probably somewhere between thirty and fifty bucks. If I had oh, to guess. okay. Well, so yeah. And so that. anyway, but as far as like cool factor, it's I'm, pretty cool. It's pretty cool. And so um, I don't know. Michael may have convinced me to to get one. Maybe like if you reach some sort of milestone with the podcast or like sales or something, that can be like your gift to yourself. I could, um, or I could just like ask for it for my birthday or something, oh, yeah. or Christmas. But Christmas, it would like be my only Christmas yeah, present. That's, that's true. But being a weird coffee guy, like I would, be, would cool be cool with that. I'd be cool with that. All right, Katie, that's all the time that we have today. Thank you again to Michael Matthews of Alenia Coffee Roasters, and we will have him back on for one final show to talk yes. about the home essentials for making that perfect cup. So you won't want to miss next week as we complete talking about that. I'm Kenneth Thomas and joined in the studio by Katie Thomas today. And thank you for listening to the show. Give us a follow if you haven't already on your podcast listening app of choice. We would love for you to leave us review and to tell a bunch of friends. Yeah. Like if you're doing a presentation on something like have somebody record it and tag Humble Coffee in it. Oh but like gosh. make some kind of announcement and say, hey, all you coffee people or all you people who love coffee need to listen to yes. this podcast. And then all of a sudden, like we'd have more people who knew about coffee yeah. and that would make us happier. Like if you have to do some sort of research paper for school or something, literally do coffee. It's so easy. And then you can just listen to our podcast. Yeah. And boom, you got yourself a project. That's right. All right, till next time, I'm Kenneth and... Katie, I don't like saying my name. Well, well you're going to have to get over okay, it. Okay. And we'll be here next time when you're ready to listen to Coffee 101. Love y'all. Hasta luego.